Hey there, how do we cast out demons? We'll find out on this episode of Ask, so stay tuned. Welcome once again, we're here at Cornerstone Church. I'm Pastor Jamie with our episode of Ask. Uh, This is where you ask questions, I answer them. So you go to cornerstonebv.org, you just hit the media page, drops down and hit the ask. Boom, leave your name, don't. Um, Definitely need your questions, uh, down to kind of a handful. And uh, so if if you you have something you've always been kind of at, kind of wanted to ask, now's a good chance. So anything, Bible, faith, life, that kind of thing. Last week, someone asked if she'd have a concealed weapon in church. That's a good question. So anything like that, go for it, okay? Get me in as much trouble as you can. That's really what you, some of you are trying to do. Um, first one, <clears throat> hello, Pastor Jamie and Steve. Steve's behind the camera and does all the work for these, except for this, me just blah, blah, blah. Um, you're doing a great job. I think that was Pamela who said that. So thank you, Pamela. And then she just went, comma, how do we cast out demons? <laughs> so I'm not sure if she thinks Steve and I are demon hunters or if she's wondering if maybe somebody needs to do something for Steve and I. Uh, I'm not sure. Pam will have to ask that question or answer that question. So how do we cast out demons? You know, and, and there's a lot out there. There's books you can read. There's different takes, right? Uh, the first thing we don't want to do is assume it's kind of like some of the movies we see where heads are spinning around and, and green vomits going everywhere, that kind of thing. Um, I've never seen a situation like that. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's, it's certainly what doesn't happen is this fight between a priest with holy water. And that, that really, to me, represents dualism, which means there's God and there's Satan and they're fighting it out. God's got the victory. God's power just transcends Satan and demonic forces. Um, so, so we never need to worry about that. However, scripturally speaking, you do see some places, like especially right after Jesus' transfiguration, where um, this, the young boy had uh, just been trying to throw himself into fire and drowning himself because he had demonic forces. And, and, and they had tried, while Jesus was away, they had tried to, to cast it out. Um, and it didn't work. And so they asked Jesus, they said, what, what were we supposed to do? And he says, this really comes through prayer and fasting. Um, something fasting was added there, whatever. Regardless, fasting was connected with prayer, with deep, like, like serious prayer. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just laying it all before God. So whether you actually fast or not, that kind of prayer, um, not just during the moment, but, but beforehand. Um, you know, knowing that I got this situation. And that kind of leads me to, because some of her are like skeptical at all, right? Eh, isn't uh, demonic uh, forces in the Bible, isn't that just, um, you know, what we now know as certain conditions, uh, epilepsy or um, other kind of mental issues? Um, and, and no, I mean, that would make Jesus antiquated. Like he wouldn't have understood that. That's silly, right? That, that there are absolutely um, diseases that, that need counseling, medications. I'm not denying that. And I don't think Christians should deny that. But there are also cases. Um, I heard of one recently, I'll be intentionally vague, where um, this teenager's in a hospital in the, the kind of the, the mental, one of the rooms, uh, mental rooms we'll call them, where they can't hurt themselves. And they've given this person medications that are so powerful um, that it, it should have an effect on a horse. And this patient is still slinging uh, their own feces all over the walls. And the person telling me was like, I just think it's demonic. Like, 
so you have this thing where, yeah, you get some Christians who want to say everything's demonic, and I don't think that's certainly not the case. But then you got the science people say, oh, that was old, everything can, but that's, it's clear not everything can be can be handled. Even if you get someone a zombie because of medication, it's not really helping them. You're just keeping them from hurting themselves. That's that could very well be demonic. Um, so getting back to your question, I mean, the biggest thing is is prayer, and I mean, when we say prayer and fasting, whether you fast or not, it's a real deliberate prayer of faith. God, this is in your hands. You are more powerful. You are, if you're going to try to do that, a confession of your own sin, a confession of your own weaknesses before God, a great humility, because you're going up. If it's you, you're going to get beat hard. But if it's God in you, then the victory is absolutely going to be his. So you have to go in that way, preparing. Um, and when we say go in, uh, you know, it could be someone's apartment. Um, it could be someone, you know, a situation where someone really seems... Um, you know, demonically possessed or influenced, and and maybe their family member asks you, or they even ask you, then then you know you should approach that with great fear and trembling, as the Bible would say, great great humility. Um, you want to just make sure your faith is ready. If it isn't, just be honest. Say, I just don't think I'm capable. It's not that I don't believe it. I just don't think I'm the one. And maybe get a pastor, get someone in your life who's stronger of faith. You should be telling them anyway, unless it's a spur of the moment thing, right? Because um, you should be asking somebody who has maybe participated in some of these things before. I've done that, right? I've, I've, I've checked with some of my mentors, like, hey, how do I deal with this situation? Um, I've anointed, so prayer, fasting, anointing with oil, which is another expression of, of deep faith in God. I've anointed people, I've anointed apartments, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and if you are being bothered or know someone who is, a Christian especially, um, and is being bothered by, and they're not possessing you because they can't if you're a Christian, but they're, they're really harassed. Maybe it's in your, your apartment. Others would say ghosts. No, there's no ghosts, right? So um, those types of situations. I have found that really playing worship music and even singing along to it loudly because they can hear, right? They're, they're not just, you know, demonic presence are, are outside so they hear that and they hate the worship of God they hate um, praise to God and so it often will, will drive them away in those types of situations all right hopefully that helped let me know if there's any follow-ups on that second I recently saw the name Anne Catherine Emmerich referenced online and so I read a little about her what's up with that what's up with you reading about her or what's up with the internet or no I assume you're asking what's up with her um, so Anne is uh, she lived in the late 1700s late uh, in early 1800s she was very devout Catholic um, and she became a nun and she had a lot of health issues uh, so a lot of her especially later years was spent in bed uh, trying to recover and she um, she claimed to have the stigmata which in Catholic circles is when you actually have the wounds of Jesus appear on you, um, which uh, for me, we would throw that out. Um, there's no reason for God to be doing that. Hey, I leave room for just about anything that's not sinful. I'm not saying it could have never happened anywhere, I'm not God, but I think by and large those things are hoaxes um, to try to get attention or try to get gain influence, especially especially even beyond before that in the Middle Ages, especially, but um, even even today you'll see that. Um, and so uh, she claimed that and then she claimed, when, especially when she was sick, to have visions. Um, 
uh, and she had some visions like where animals of Noah's Ark were, along with Elijah uh, and Enoch, who never died. I mean, just some really bizarre, unbiblical stuff. She also had visions of people in purgatory, which we completely throw out as a false doctrine. There's nothing scripturally at all about an in-between state. There's heaven, there's hell, there's those in Christ, there's those aren't clear in the Bible. So for her, that to be a vision that can't, we just would throw it out as, as false. Um, now, what happened, a couple, few interesting facts. A poet met with her when she was having these visions or she was really sick and he wasn't able to write them down when he was with her, but he would leave and he would write them down and he published. So you can even buy a couple of books, I wouldn't advise it, um, of some of her visions. And um, some uh, skeptic scholars looked at the poet's uh, books that he wrote were supposedly Anne's visions and his own works and a lot of some things matched up, so they thought he probably took a lot of liberties to even what she said. Um, and if you read them, they have a pretty clear anti-Semitic vibe and some racial stuff too. Ham, one of Noah's sons, is the father of the evil dark race, that kind of stuff um, that we would just throw out as, as, as just not good biblical stuff. Um, the Catholic Church, even to this day, they, they sort of see her um, as beneficial, but not some of it, not, they're kind of vague, it seems to me, on their, their, their um, position for her. For us, uh, we would throw these visions out as um, best case scenario, um, unhelpful, and um, worst case scenario, an agenda that was, that was just lies driven by this poet. Um, and so I wouldn't put a lot of stock in her and I would steer anyone you know away from those types of things. Um, steer them back to the word of God, all right? All right, real quick, last question. Is it true that Judas Iscariot never called Jesus Lord, that he only called him teacher? Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So, uh, so Judas, yeah, he, uh, he only twice in scripture, in the gospels, is referring directly to a title of Jesus. Um, both times he uses the term rabbi, which could be also termed teacher. So you're correct in that. Uh, the, at the Last Supper, when he says, is it I who will betray you, rabbi? Um, and then when he's betraying him, he says rabbi, and he, and he mentions Jesus before he kisses him. Um, so here's the thing, we know that he obviously not recorded in scripture. There were many, many times where he referred to him as something. So I don't think you can take that, those two instances and say, oh, he thought this of Jesus. Um, also keep in mind, when the other disciples or others call him Lord, I would say yes, that is a more, uh, a higher term than rabbi teacher, um, but it isn't them saying he's God. Like they, they weren't, in those three year ministry times with Jesus, they weren't, they weren't there. Uh, they would eventually come to understanding that. They were probably meaning that that word Lord could be vague. You could even call someone Lord as a real endearment term. Um, I think what the other apostles and disciples meant was that he's the Christ, that he's the one that they've been waiting for as Jewish uh, men and women. And, and so I think it, it, it says a little something about Judas that he only went as far as rabbi, like that's respectful, but I'm not going up to Lord. Um, but don't give the other disciples too much credit either. Uh, they didn't quite understand who Jesus was yet, um, but they, they would come to. All right, hopefully that helps. And uh, ask your questions, cornerstonebv.org. 
we need them. All right, hopefully we'll see you this weekend as we continue our act series, uh, either five o'clock Saturday, nine or 11 Sunday. Love to meet you if we haven't already and you need a church home, let Cornerstone be that place where you seek out your own faith. God bless.